Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet. When you send us a tweet or an email, can you go the extra mile and phonetically spell things out for Greg, who has to read these names? And Greg Wyshynski of Yahoo Sports. Margarita Ramsler. Why not just call it the Guy Who Played the Game podcast and just cut out the middleman? Can I play the guy who's never been a broadcaster before card then? <laughs> it needs to be more psychedelia and hockey. If I that's was going to trip out, I would want it to be pleasant. I would want it to be like watching an episode of My Little Pony. When it comes to brains, does knowledge uh, uh, of junior hockey taste um, taste better than other types of knowledge? A lot of zombies will attack coeds because they're usually a fan of pop music, hence their brain tastes like bubblegum. There is a battle for your consciousness, and you should never let that go. You are in charge of your consciousness and how you want to frame the world. Well, listen, Timothy Leary. If you do start Dark Side of the Moon right now, it syncs up perfectly with the rest of the podcast. I'm going to take a pie in the face. Uh, now let me through. It's a tax write-off. You get to throw a pie in my face and write it off for taxes. <laughs> I had someone tweet me yesterday and say that they named their dog Rogie, and they get amazing comments about it. So I'll make sure my sure Deke isn't nearby uh, for our I next dog. Named a dog, dog Rogie. Is it true that William Randolph Hearst's uh, mistress's vagina was named Rosebud, and that's what, what? Orson Welles had it as his opening opening line in or in uh, in uh, in Citizen Kane? I think the real story here is that evidently. Uh, <laughs> His mistress's vagina looked like a child's sled. When I heard that we had a shot at interviewing Howard Baldwin, my first thought was that elephant walk story. Imagine that, uh, 20 naked uh, whaler hockey players doing the elephant walk in circles. According to producer Matt, there are, quote, shenanigans happening at the fan. Now, I was hoping Somali Pirates, but he tells me that it's simply someone just needed to take the studio that he's using right now. We're going to take a five-minute break. <laughs> We'll be back in five minutes. I just came in from a run and I got to eat really fast because after the podcast, I got to go to the Hockey Night in Stouffville. So I'm trying to scarf down some jambalaya real quick. It is so unprofessional to assume that your your radio partner is going to speak on for three or four minutes so you can have a bite to eat yeah. or take care of other business. Every time I try to talk, you jump on over me. Why don't you just land the plane here today? I'm going to turn my mic off. You go. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, now it's dead air. I'm waiting. Top right, pop right back in. You tell me when you're done. I'm done. Go ahead. Then... As it must to all men, death came to... Merrick versus Wyshynski. By the way, folks, you know, when there's a really bad situation or a negative situation in the world, the healthiest thing to do is treat it with humor. I've always said to people, I said, when my time comes, man, just have a party. Just just do, do a good thing. Do it New Orleans style. We can always use a friend. The great uh, Mark Cole put that together awesome. for what is the final episode. End the show proper, as somebody wrote on Twitter, of uh, Merrick versus Wyshynski. The great Mark Cole. It's a little creepy to me that it seems like maybe Mark had been planning for this. He got it. He, and, he, he, uh, he DM'd me a while ago uh, when we sort of announced it was going to be the last show. And almost right away, he had the final intro ready. Um. I think he's wanted this secretly for a long time, Mark has, and has been planning it. And this is this is a day of celebration for our friend Mark Cole, more than anything else. Yeah, he's he had this one, a, just ready to hit send. You know when a hockey player gets, you know, real old and you know, they have, you know, one foot 
one foot in the grave and what's the other? What's the line? One foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. Everyone writes the obits and all you need to do is write the last sentence. Right. I think he's kind of had that written for this podcast. Yeah. He's, intro he's style had, for a while now. He's had his Gordie Howe uh, obit ready for, Hodge, for years. Yeah. Ready to go. And then maybe sometimes we, we went to Mexico and got the stem cell, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Damn it. experimental. All right. we'll put a yeah. And then we came back. In there. All right. Yeah. Fine. Nice that he threw some Emmett Otter in there, too, because that's one of the, the wonderful things you and I think really bonded over was our mutual love of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Jug Band Christmas. There ain't no hole in the washtub, Ma. No, man. Still the best Christmas movie ever, yo. Well, I mean, die, die Hard, but, you know, point taken. Um, that's yeah, for, that's so the, this... That's a topic for the Pizzo show. That was for the I'm... Pizzo radio show, which predated <laughs> this one, which actually led to the creation of this podcast, was your demise uh, of your show with Pizzo and my demise of Hockey Night Radio when I went to Rogers. First of all, let me clarify. The Pizzo show would have been an hour of Is Titanic an action movie, which oh, was God. The, Every the time big... I listen to you guys, it's all you guys were talking about. Jesus Christ. No, you're right. For the, for, I might as well just restate the origin story. I did the show with Pizzo. The score killed it. Uh, you know, <laughs> because because I, I guess because it was r- creative and original and, and couldn't fit on an app, uh, and then uh, and then uh, I was out. I, I was I was talking with Hockey Night in Canada Radio hang about on, doing a show with couldn't what? fit on an app. That's great line. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking with Hockey Night in Canada Radio after you had left it to de- potentially do it on on satellite radio. That would have been great. I, that would have been great if you took that over. Gord Selleck ended up doing it and doing a really good job. That would have been a really interesting. That would have been a spicy radio show had you taken it over. I'm not sure that Hockey Night in Canada was ready for the Greg Wyshynski styles at that point. But was ready them. for an American to talk about the Sarnia thing. That'd Probably be not. Great. Yeah. Uh, but, but then, but then I t- I talked to you uh, on the phone to get your take on the potential for that job because you had it and we had known each other now for a little bit as uh, I appeared on that show. And then you infamously, we went through this whole, it was a big, long conversation. And then at the end, you, uh, you as you often do during the run of the show, uh, you, uh, you, you put it all, everything aside and said, hey, why don't we just do a show together? <laughs> I was getting a suit fitting. Uh, which side do you dress on, sir? Oh, I dress on the right. Uh, hey, how about we do a podcast? I think that's kind of the way it went down. I sort of was bitching about not having the daily discipline of doing a radio show anymore because I signed on at Sportsnet just to do TV. Um, your, uh, your show with Pizzo went nuclear and we both kind of realized, you know, Hey, your chocolates, my peanut butter. Why don't we just do a podcast? And honestly, like, that's how it started. I was talking to a lot of guys at the, in the bullpen here at the fan today. And they were asking me you know, how it came, how the podcast came about and how'd you guys, there was no big plan. There's like anything on this show. There was no, there was no planning. This no. was like, I, honestly, I, I think both of us thought this would be you know, a cozy podcast that would last about two weeks and then we both run out of things to say. And it's funny, and like people, I, I, just to pull the curtain back, I mean, I don't know how you guys think the show is put together, but like most days we didn't even like talk before the show. No, just like, like we, well, we, we, hope we, he shows we, up on time. Yeah, we might have emailed a little bit about who the guest was going to be or who we wanted the producer to get and then the producer yeah. would inevitably write back and be like, they don't want to come on your show. Uh, and then, and then we'd, <laughs> We'd, we'd call Chris Johnston or Elliot Friedman or, or Tracy Myers, who, by the way, is on the show today. Um, yeah. and, and, but, but that was the beauty of it is that, you know, d- d- Jeffy and I had sort of a, a natural chemistry that didn't require us to be rigid in the structure of the show or, or even pre-plan where the conversations were going to go. And I think that's what made it good. It was a really great break in the day for me. It always was because like you, I'd be busy in the morning doing stuff and then I'd have TV to do at night. Uh, but before I did that, I got to have like an hour of fun. 
Like, and that's how I always treated it. It was the great break in the day where I just got to talk to my buddy about hockey and talk to amazing people that have floated sort of in and out of our lives. But I'm just reading a, a tweet, a beautiful tweet, real nice from, from Katie Strang. Katie, by the way, hockey's on. Come back. Let go of baseball, Katie Strang. Come back. <laughs> Come back to hockey or the athletic. Um, and met a, dude, like how many amazing people have you met just by doing this podcast? Oh, yeah. You know, like uh, a lot of times at the meetups that we'd have, it'd be random, awesome people. You know, hey, I was on Jeopardy. Really? Let's talk about that. Hey, you know, it, it's it's like uh, so on and so forth uh, with every town we've gone to and, and, and every listener we've interacted with. Um, just great people. And you know, my favorite you know, was my, my, one, my, one of my favorite moments. <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> the very first one, the very first meetup we did at Foley's in New York city, uh, before the draft. Um, when I went down and I came out with, uh, Kyle Dubas and the Sault Ste. Marie crew, right? Cause right, Darnell yeah. Nurse was going to get a pre selected a pre, top 10 pre leaves Kyle Dubas. Yeah. yeah. Pre leaves Kyle Dubas. And you know, Richard Rottenberg was there and Joe Sorella was That's at right. the table and you were like the cork out of a champagne bottle. <laughs> Joe Sor- Devils, right? Joe Sorella. I've never heard anyone get that excited for Joe Sorella a day in my life. Yeah. Until I Re- saw you at Foley's. Actually, you, your eyes were as wide as pies. Reminiscent of Joe Sorella. Reminiscent of when I marked out over uh, you uh, bringing Chris Owens to the studio so I could meet Spender from the X-Files as well. Chris a great guy, hey? Yeah. I know, hey? Chris is... He's a real successful voice actor now, too. Chris, great dude. We used to play hockey together. But yeah, he was uh, he played the smoking man's son in the X-Files yep. for two years. That's right. Great dude. I mean, spoiler for those who haven't binged it. Yeah, he winds up being the smoking man's son. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> spoiler from 15 No, years I, ago. I, That's I, my speed. I, thi- I think the one thing I'd say about our listeners is that, you know, the audience that we cultivated and the audience that we interacted with is very much an, a, a product of the show. Like... I think there's a, probably a lot of radio shows out there um, that are uh, have a different tone, and uh, and maybe you, you you sometimes will meet people that you, you you're like ah, I don't want you to like my thing. Like I feel like Dan Harmon is is going through that now with his show Rick and Morty, where like there's an entire contingent of people who enjoy the show, but they they kind of enjoy it the wrong way, and they're kind of you know dicks about it. And I always felt like our listenership reflected me and you. Like there a, a large swath of people who are uh, compassionate and kind and love the game, but also love the game in a, in a, in a, in a non traditional way. They yes. enjoy the, the quirkiness of it and the history of it and all of the different entry points to it that don't involve simply being of Canadian birthright and uh, and, and knowing who the <laughs> the point on the second power play unit of the Florida Panthers is. You know, and to that point uh later on uh in the podcast i'm going to read out in true jeff merrick style uh, a really pretentious quote by one of my favorite people uh in the history of the world to that very point which is i think we found a a lot of people and i i didn't really i mean you know it but you don't know it until you you meet these people who always say listen i i didn't feel like a regular hockey fan I wasn't one of those pucks in deep people. I wasn't one of the baseball hats. Like I, I couldn't do it. Like that was never for me, but I loved hockey and I just never had a place to go. And I never, I never had a place to park, you know, there was no parking spot for me in there. I just have to, you know, circle the rink and hope that someone left and no one ever did. So I never got a landing pad to actually get into to something that involved hockey. And there's a huge community of these people. I always saw it online, right? And I think you did too, probably more than I did. But it never, I never understood it until I met people at our various meetups or interacted with people on Twitter or went out 
you know, to dinners like I did in, in Red Deer with people like Karen Douglas and Melissa Burgess. Yeah. And like, I never, that was never in my face, you know, until, you know, a few years ago when, you know, Allie Bickford, who I have, you know, is a wonderful friend now. And she's, you know, she's somewhere high-fiving someone when I say that. I told her I wasn't going to mention her name on the podcast. Um, in Chicago, um, like, we've met the most wonderful, we can't do this podcast without talking about Patrick. Jeez, like, if there's anyone that we love on this podcast more than Patrick, who's done more for this podcast, with all due respect, Mark Cole, because you have done a ton too as well, sir. I mean, Patrick's, you know, one of the, the greatest guys you'll ever meet. NHL tie guy, folks. Um, we got to meet on this podcast. Patrick, of course, whole, we should we should pause and say Patrick's the, also the guy who orchestrated the uh, pie throwing, uh, as it were, <laughs> uh, when I was pied by moment. Bailey, yeah, really uh, by uh, L.A. Kings announcers, and of course by Will Wheaton at center ice during a playoff game, which remains, I mean, like, I've had, you know, I've, I've thought about a lot about the, the old career uh, in the last couple of weeks after leaving Puck Daddy, but like, for all the stuff, for all the John Scott stuff that happened on this podcast oh, yeah. and the Tim Peel stuff that you had a hand in, I think taking a bunch of cream pies in the middle of the rink during a playoff game intermission and getting sliced across the nose by one of the tins so like my face was a crimson mask of cream and blood uh, was uh, well, probably tops for me as far as the surreal stuff that's happened. And, uh, and, and the podcast definitely played a major role in that. I asked my wife the other day about it. So what's, what do you remember most from me and Greg doing this podcast? And she was like, well, I remember when you ditched me in the, uh, in the hospital room to go do the podcast after Brody was born. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Hon, I got to go do a podcast now. <laughs> Second child. <laughs> nice guy. Way to go, guy. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I mean, all, everybody was, was real sweet. I guess I, guess I should pause, and, 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 and we, we talked about how we would address this. So I'm going to ESPN, if you haven't heard. Uh, I left Yahoo uh, at the end of September, and, uh, and that was a great run, and thank you for all of the kind things that people said after I left Puck Daddy and all of the kind things that people said. Uh, this week after the new ESPN news broke and uh, and broke while I was on a plane to Las Vegas, no less, which was amazing. Like, hey, I'll get some winks on the plane on the way to Vegas. No, actually, your company decided to uh, to release this news and, and drop the bomb. And, and now you've got to get ready to write your little screed on your own personal site and, and respond to everybody. And everybody was super cool. Like, I, I really appreciate it. Um, so as you you can probably understand, uh, when when a, a, a podcast is, is owned by one giant media company and, and one half of that podcast is now working at another giant media company who may or may not have ties to a third <laughs> giant media company yeah. uh, that's based in Canada, uh, it becomes a little dicey. So it, it was a combination of, of uh, you know, now working for uh, uh, ESPN, but also ESPN wanting me to, to create a podcast for them. Um, that they could own. And I, I know a lot of people were like, well, what about Puck Soup? Well, Puck Soup was independent. And, and so it was sort of not within the purview of this decision. Um, and full disclosure, like, I don't know quite what I'm doing yet with that podcast with ESPN. Now, your co-host is this guy by the name of Fedge Carrick? <laughs> <laughs> For that pod? Am I right about that one? Bristol's own Fedge Carrick. No, right. but I mean, like, like, one of the things that Merrick and I have talked about, and, and this is not to try to you know, soften the blow or anything of this being the last episode of MVSW, but like, this is not going to be a situation where like we're Mike and the mad dog and we're not going to see each other for 10 years or whatever. Like we're, we're going to try to find ways to still work together. It could be on an ESPN podcast occasionally or on the reg. Uh, it will most certainly be uh, live shows in Toronto, um, probably through puck talks to continue the conversations that we've had on this podcast. And maybe it'll be little TV things here and there. Who Who's to say, but um you know that's that's kind of the backstory on on why 
this happened and and uh it sucks i mean you know things as jeffy tweeted you know when we brought the news on this sometimes things are out of control you roll the punches and, and you hope that you can kind of uh find ways to to still work together down the line we don't we don't hate each other i think is the the uh the lead on that that's uh, the big thought yeah, that despite, is despite what some people might think it's not like oh wow finally i get this guy out of my life no not at all like i've always i've always said this like listen folks um, this has been the most fun I've had doing anything in media ever, right? I started in 1995, 94, 95, I can't remember, I'm that old. Um, this is the most fun I've ever had. I've met the best people. I've had the best person to work with, people to work with behind the glass as well, whether it's Josh or Sam or Matt or Elena or Brant, like great people, wonderful people to work with. Met great people, learned a lot of stuff, right? Talked to some really cool people, had some wonderful experiences, um, had some close shaves where I may or may not have thought I might be getting fired over the John Scott incident oh, by yeah. my company. Oh, um, yeah. Right? So, like, honestly, like, when you see, like, okay, let me put it to you this way. When you see me on television or you hear me on the radio, I want you to think one thing. He would rather be doing this podcast. You see me doing Hockey Central. Think to yourself, he would rather be doing MVSW right now. You hear me on the radio on the fan or Sportsnet Network. Think to yourself, he would rather be doing MVSW because that's true. <laughs> this is the most fun I've ever had. And I honestly, it's maybe ridiculously stupidly because you don't assume, you don't tend to think of the realities of the industry when you're in the middle of something. I honestly thought I'd be doing this until I retired and still not have made a dime off it, mind you, but I didn't care about that. Oh, I honestly thought all- that this, <laughs> I was going to do this podcast forever. Whether it's it was whole, once a week, once a month, or every single day. I honestly thought I'd be doing this. Whole other discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the thing the thing about you and Sportsnet and, and you doing this podcast that always really warmed my heart. And and it's an argument that I've made for a long time about <clears throat> Sportsnet in particular, in the sense that like I don't think it's any secret that, you know, uh, sometimes there's a bit of a of a of a, a likability gap in this business with some people. And I feel like, you know, the more podcasting that some people do for example i'll just put an example out there you know i think kiprios is a guy who's a divisive guy but like for those who heard him on on dangles podcast for example i think they got to hear a whole new side of him and really learned a little bit about him so one of the one of the most satisfying things for me about this podcast was the fact that sportsnet recognized that people really really liked you because they got to hear you do this and learn like just a shit ton more about you than they would have ever learned watching you, you know, do do stuff behind a desk on on Sportsnet, and I think that's been great. I think that I think that's true about anybody who's willing to be vulnerable on the radio. Like you have to put your on or on a podcast, you have to be able to put yourself out there. Now, when you say vulnerable, do you mean yelling at people on Twitter for any criticisms? Because <laughs> if that's the case, I feel I feel I'm more vulnerable. You're than you more are. vulnerable than I am in that situation. <laughs> no, but if you're willing just to go out there and be honest about yourself and talk about your flaws and talk about things you don't know, as opposed to just trying to be an expert and just be like honest about yourself, what you like, what you're into, and not what. And that's the one thing that I've always, you know. I, I've always applauded my employer for. I've never had, and listen, man, we've talked about drug use and like all kinds of stuff on this podcast. I've never caught grief from any manager at Rogers over it. Ever. I remember having a conversation with someone in the industry. It's like, man, you guys like talk about drugs a lot, eh? I'm like, yeah, we Yeah, we do. Kind of do. Like, you ever catch any uh like nope. Never. 
I think if you just go on and, and, and you just speak like a human being, and not just some hockey robot, right? there's plenty of chances to be a hockey robot. Trust me, I'll do it tonight at 6.30 on Hockey Central Tonight. <laughs> where I have to for, for 30 minutes because that's the necessity of the show. <laughs> yeah, like, I, but I, I mean, for, for the record, I would never be a hockey robot, he says, before ever doing a hit on SportsCenter. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still early, but let's have a look at that New Jersey uh, Devils rookie crowd. Look at Jesper Bratt. Holy smokes, London Knights aren't sure getting him back. And Will Butcher, nice play, five points in three games. Oh, man, are you kidding me? Like, that's the biggest that's, strategy of the podcast ending, is that dude, we're ending it during no. a Devils Cup here. If you want to really pull back the curtain, I'm the one that ended it, because I can't take any more of Greg... Crowing. I can't take him talking about the New Jersey Devils and the, the po- start of the season they've had. I can't. The podcast. The podcast had to end after the de facto uh, in, in, intra conference Cup final that was the Leafs and Devils last night. <laughs> uh, but no, no. But you know, for the record, by the way, on the drug thing, I will say that we've had a lot of great producers on this show, no question. But they did all fail the basic test that uh, that my former m- former producer on on the Pizzo show passed, which was to give me drugs in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> that was the test. <laughs> in a parking lot outside of a meetup. <laughs> it was the best. And by that I mean thank you, Canada. Oh, welcome to Canada. Welcome to Canada. We still have room here, Greg. You can you can you can move. You can couple couple anytime. of things I wanted to mention as far as like my favorite things about doing the show with you were uh, without like I wanted to thank two two guests in particular Elliot Friedman who is a busy dude <laughs> uh, but would find time for us very regularly sometimes in an emergency capacity and and obviously like this guy does a lot of radio and and I always appreciated the fact he would come on with us and and maybe maybe you know treated the show as a way to talk about some different things for himself as well and 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 explore ideas and. And uh, and take go down some rabbit holes he wouldn't normally get to do. Chris Johnston too. I mean, not only the number of times he did the show with me and you, but in the times when I'd be on the road and trying to pump out some content because Jeffy was tied up with a billion things around like world, you know, like world junior time stuff like that. Like Chris would be my de facto pinch hitter, and there'd be times when you know me, me, me and him or me and Leahy would be sitting. Uh, uh, you know, at a bar or at some table in the bowels of an arena and speaking into my phone to uh, to bang out a podcast on site. And I always appreciated CJ for, for doing that. And then, like, I, you know, I was trying to think about, like, the, the most surreal guests that we've had. And I think I think Jericho might be really high on my list. That was I mean, pretty like, cool, eh? Chris is a great guy. It was yeah. a great... And that, it was, I think, before he had his own podcast, too, and, like, really blew up in that capacity. But, like, having Chris Jericho on this podcast was, I, I mean, obviously a thrill for me as a wrestling fan. Uh, which is something that Merrick and I, you know, quickly bonded over. Uh, but also just like, you know, an amazing dude to talk hockey with because that, that's, you know, the, the example of, of Jericho is an example that's carried over to Puck Soup and I think is an example that we also had in this podcast, which is that it's great to talk to coaches. It's great to talk to players. We've had Gretzky on the podcast. We've, we, you know, we talked to a bunch of beat writers, but it's those few times that we've had people that are sort of hockey adjacent on to have a chance to talk about specific things that they love about the game that I've always appreciated too. Yeah. Um, I kind of regretted we didn't have, I mean, Eric Young was always good with us, right? Showtime, oh, yeah, great Showtime example. was yeah. always great. Um, I kind of regret not having more. We always wanted to get CM Punk on. Never happened. Yeah, you can uh, do it. Heyman would have been great. <laughs> uh, Heyman would have been outstanding. But I, I always, because there have been so many... 
radio shows and, and podcasts now that do your very traditional, you know, janitorial Monday to Friday, nine to five style broadcasts. And those are important for the industry and important for hockey fans. But I kind of always like that. Talk to people on the fringes. Yeah. Explore people on the fringes. That's, like that's always interested. Me. We had Bill Daly on a couple times, I would think, but we never had Bettman. I always thought that was kind of interesting that we never had Gary. And Gary doesn't do a lot of radio. And I, and I, don't, I don't think he necessarily, even though this was uh, you know, a place where I think that we would have been sort of respectful of the guy, I think he probably thought of it as a place where he might get Ron McLean a little bit. But we never had Bettman on either. I thought he'd be an interesting guest. Yeah, I always like talking to Bill, too. Gailey's always been one of my favorite people to talk to. Really matter, yeah. of, really matter of fact. Um, he was always the I've always made this point about Bill. He was always the one guy that during the various lockouts seemed to me to take it the hardest from that side of the negotiation. Right? Yeah. Like the owner's side is very, you know, very steel-faced, very unified. No, this is what we need. This is a business, like very business-like. I always felt that Bill put a human face on that side of the argument. And like he was, of course, representing the NHL. He's a very smart man and a wonderful negotiator. But I always thought that he brought a human element to it. Like I almost got the feeling, maybe being overly maudlin about this, I always got the feeling that Bill almost you know, took it personally and emotionally, like a lot of fans did, that the game wasn't being played when it should have been. Yeah, and he's always been sort of an an invaluable asset to to Batman in the sense that, like, look, they're both lawyers, but Gary is a, a lawyer who also is a uh, obstructor of truth sometimes. Uh, and Daly Daly's job is to you know give you a shine about what the league's trying to do, but also kind of explain it, and and that's the thing that. I've always valued about about him and about some other guys in the league that we've dealt with in the past. You know, just be straight with us. Like, we might agree with you, we might not agree with you, but like, if you at least explain the motivations behind what you do, and, and shit, man, like, you think about the player safety stuff that's happened since we did the podcast, and, you know, we go from railing against, uh, you know, uh, the Colin Campbell regime to now having videos that expl explicitly explain why they make these decisions. Like, how much better did life get when it went from being a nebulous old boys club behind the curtain thing to at least an explanation of the motivations for some of these asinine suspensions they've had? Yeah, no, that was a, that was wonderful. And through a lot of that, it's funny, too, because I've always sort of been banging the drum for Damien Echeverria, who's been there from day one, and how many different leaders of that department have there been that weren't named Damien Echeverria? <laughs> like, yeah, if right. you want to talk about it, so going back to, to the Colin Campbell era, when, when justice was being meted out, he's been there all along. He's one of the... One of the, for my money, one of the best kept secrets uh, around the NHL. Uh, you know, it's another interesting thing, a phenomenon through all this, and you know, various people have brought this up. Sean McIndoe, uh, down goes Brown, uh, was the sort of latest, and I had never really considered this. And someone again mentioned it to me today at the fan how there weren't really a lot of hockey podcasts out when we started this thing. And like, by no means am I trying to position this as like, oh, it's a revolutionary, pioneering, you know, the first flag in the moon kind of kind of podcast because I, I don't want to come across like that. Um, but I think one of our messages through all of this has always been the tools are there, start your own blog, start your own podcast. There's no reason not to, you can, you can do this. You have all the tools to do it. You know what? People have. Yeah. Right. People have gone and gone and done it. The podcast that Tally put together. Uh, remember going okay. on with, with Tally and Lexi. There's another one. Yeah. Lexi hates poetry is one of our favorites. Yep. Amazing person. 
I mean, you're you're humble, but I'll, I'll frankly say that there would be another hockey podcast without this hockey podcast. In fact, I'd go as far as to say there wouldn't be podcasts without this podcast. <laughs> there wouldn't be podcast. There wouldn't be oxygen without this. podcast. There would not. That's right. <laughs> iTunes. Water, nor we, there we, be we basically basically started iTunes. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's invented it's pretty, iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the drunk episode will live in infamy. The time that we yelled about. I've Rick never Nash. listened to that. I've never gone back to listen to it. I have mm-hmm. no idea what we said. I've never gone. Have you gone back to listen to that one? I probably listened to it once or twice over over the years, just to to remember what it was. And I mean, it was it was it was a drunk episode. I mean, I, we've always sort of fashioned this podcast as you oh. know the conversation happening in the back of the pub that you can go and talk to you know two guys arguing about uh, whatever topic and get involved, and, and and you love those guys. And that was the night where it really came to fruition, where we were had both worked all day and had a couple couple pops, and we're arguing over something very myopic about Rick Nash. I remember that. Stupid. See, that's why I've always maybe that's why I've never gone back to listen to it because every time I hear a show being described as oh, it's just like going to the bar and having a conversation with your buddies. Have you ever gone to a bar and heard a conversation you're really interested in? Because I never have. It like, happened oh, once. When, like honestly, think about this, listener, right now whomever you are, how many times have you gone to a bar and been really interested in some dumb, drunken sports conversation you've heard? Or have you just rolled your eyes and said, man, this is dumb. But for whatever reason, programmers are in love with this idea of, oh, it's just like going down to the bar with your buddies and having a big sports conversation. God, those are boring. When I was in in Montreal once, this is the only bar debate I ever cared about. When I was in Montreal once, I was in a, a bar, shocker, spoiler, and uh, and uh, and and in front of my very eyes, five guys of varying ages were having the best player of all time debate between Orr, Gretzky, Mario, and Gordy. And I was who in- brought okay, who brought up a single unique point? Nobody. But it was like <laughs> seeing it was like it was like going to Loch Ness and seeing the monster. It was like. You you want to believe as an American this is what occurs in Canada? Maybe and, that's I'm just spoiled because I've heard some of those dumb yeah, conversations. All the right same, before the same my ideas very being spouted again. Right before my very eyes, I got to hear. Oh well, Wayne, you know Wayne was a, a singular talent, a great ice vision. Oh, but Gordy could knuckle up and play good too. And then uh, one other guy being. Oh, but what about Bobby Orr? Oh, and then everybody's like, well, it weren't for Mario's cancer. I'm like, oh my God, it's happening! It's all happening! This happens all the time in Canada. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. That was the only um, one I cared about. Um, obviously, the Littlest Hobo episode is probably number one on, on any episode ranking of this podcast. Still best. Still best. Hobo, the, still the shock, the shock and awe of me discovering that the Littlest Hobo was, in fact, a dog. dog. I've been getting the Littlest Hobo tweets yeah, keep uh, it recently. Up. Did they keep bring it, up, it back? Keep it up, did folks. They, did they bring the show I back? Saw, I saw something to that, but I refused to. Just like I refused to watch Slapshot 2, I refused to watch the newest Littlest Hobo. I'll go watch the old episodes. Thank you very much. I just well, one, on, one, on assu- one assumes that unlike Slapshot 2, it's not like The Littlest Hobo is now played by Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> I'm going to imagine that's probably the Although, case. Although, spoiler, I'm sure it's a new dog. Though, <laughs> Pretty sure it's a new dog. Uh, we wanted for our final podcast to get one of our favorites, and we had the conversation yesterday. Well, who's one of our favorites? And it was unanimous. I think we both said at the same time. Um, Tracy Myers, who covers the Chicago Blackhawks and has always played along with every single little bit of goofiness on the show, and she's done it with a smile. There's the laugh. Whenever Greg and I see something dumb to Tracy, there's that, oh, my God, I don't want to embarrass you two, but you guys are a couple of jackasses laugh from Tracy Myers. Tracy. 
see, how are Tra- you? See, Tracy, Tracy's, Tracy's a great example of what I was talking about before. Remember, you know, this is somebody who's been on a billion shows answering the same dumb questions about yeah. the Blackhawks. Yeah. And then she comes on this show and we're like, tell us about why you liked the Honky Tonk Man. And she's like, in heaven. Yeah, yeah you know, and, but before I do, let me tell you about Gustav Forsling. Uh, he took a, a puck to the mouth. Uh, we're going to get the yeah. Honky Tonk Man here in a second, but we'll talk about uh, the decision to scratch Connor Murphy the other day against the Montreal Canadiens. Yes, we'll get back to the Honky Tonk Man, but first let me tell you about the Hawks and their second-line left-wing situation with Ryan Hartman. <laughs> Tracy Myers, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Jackie of all trades. Yeah. That's our girl. That's our, she's a nice bunch of gals. It's Tracy Myers. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, first of all, I am so honored to be the final guest. So, yeah, it's, uh, I saw you ask me last night. I thought, oh, my God, it really was. I'm changing my inner bed midler right now. It's fantastic. So, uh, <laughs> other, other, other than, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if I could actually sing one more for the road. I might have one later. But uh, it, it is truly an honor to be a part of the final Mary Kowalski, which pains me to say that there's a final one. But uh, I thank you guys for having. Me. Well, well yeah, ahead, I mean it's the, it's the final one until the reboot on Netflix. But I mean, uh, you know, it's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone goes, we can't miss you if you won't go away. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, for for Blackhawks, why should I just answer him in the uh, in the order that Let's Mary do, gave him to hang me? On. Or? Hang on, let's let's hang on. Let's do the sports interview first. I always love doing okay. the sports interview. Uh, pleased to welcome to the broadcast, uh, no stranger to, uh, to the show. She covers the Blackhawks on a regular basis. Uh, you can watch her on NBC. Uh, she is Tracy Myers, um, a knower of all things Chicago. And Tracy, you know, when you're talking about the Chicago Blackhawks, you have to focus initially on Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. What can you tell us about these two young? They've been in the league for 10 years now. These two <laughs> veteran superstars for the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, I don't know if you know, but uh, we're, mi- we're reminded every time we go to Canada that Taves uh, w- uh, grew up in Winnipeg. Yeah, and he has a lake um, named after him, Lake Taves, I know. It, it's big news every time I go up there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's, more, uh, it's more fun in these, in these times to, uh, to talk about the young guys who have benefited uh, Mr. Taves and Mr. Kane. And uh, Brandon, uh, I keep wanting to say spring training. What is wrong with me? In training camp, uh, he was. Uh, you're, you're turning into Katie. You're turning into Katie Strang now. You're not doing baseball. It's hockey. I miss her. I miss her terribly. I know. Too, we all so. do. We, we all do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, you know, yeah, Saad was saying, "Oh, it's going to take some time for us to to gel together again and find that chemistry again." No, it hasn't. It has taken no time. Uh, Brandon Saad hasn't changed, and and uh, I'm reminded every time I watch him how much the Blackhawks have missed him. Uh, on, on the other side, I am stunned at how much that uh, Patrick Kane has missed Nick Schmaltz in just two or three games. Uh, the difference between Kane when Schmaltz was playing the first game and 30 seconds uh, compared to the last two and three quarter, it's been unbelievable. Uh, so I might have to go back on this whole Patrick Kane can play with everybody uh, spiel because right now, uh, despite the fact that he used to play with Anisimov, it ain't, it ain't working like it was. So uh, Tra- I, I think he's writing goodwill cards to uh, to Nick Schmaltz on a daily basis right now. Trace, Tracy, this is a safe space. You can tell us. <laughs> did did Taves go into Bowman's office and slam his hand on the table and say, "Get me my winger back," and I don't care if it hurts Patrick's line. Yes, yeah. uh, you know, um, 
it would be such a selfish act for an unselfish man, but at the same time, I would love for that to, to be true in a way. Just, uh, just based on what happened the last two years where trying to, I mean, it was a turnstile there. I think I'm the only person who didn't get a shot at left wing last year. So it, I, I, would not, I would not totally blame him um, for, for going in and saying, listen, uh, nothing against what we got going here, but I, I, need, I need a guy to help me out. And uh, you're seeing the difference, I think, immediately. Uh, not just with Saad, but with that whole line. You know, it just seems to be uh, clicking from the start. And, you know, you saw glimpses of that last year when they put Schmaltz up there. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just a night and day difference. I mean, they, they miss Saad so much, whether it be that line or just playoff games. Uh, you need that element so much, and, uh, and they missed him. What do you think, what do you think of Debrinkit? I mean, I'm biased. I've watched the kid all all through and, junior. But and do you and do you think it's okay if I keep calling him Debrinda Cat because I feel like no, it, it's better? No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I was one of those people that thought, oh, he's he's never gonna never gonna get up to speed this quickly. This is this is the NHL. It's not the OHL anymore, and it's gonna take blah blah blah. You know what? I've been very bad at this prognostication thing for a while. And this kid was just the latest one that I totally got wrong. Um, he's really been impressive. And it, it, even if he doesn't score, which very nice goal the other night for his uh, first NHL career, go- career goal, but he's picked it all up a hell of a lot faster than I thought he would. Um, I just thought with the bigger, faster NHL that it was going to take some time. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how this year plays out if he go- ends up getting a little AHL time at some point, which – I still don't think hurts anybody, yeah. but um, you know, just uh, no matter who they put him with in preseason, it worked. And uh, you know, with, when you're playing with a Joe Quenville team, it's always good to have as many line mates as possible because it's going to happen throughout the year. But uh, he's handled it all beautifully, so I've I've been very impressed with the kid. That's awesome. Uh, did you were you one of the people writing the uh, the Blackhawks uh, eulogy before the season, or did you think this was going to be a playoff team? I think they'll get in. Um, I, now in June, I was thinking it was a eulogy because once uh, you know, once Jarmelson went out the door, and even with Saad coming back, you know, uh, uh, losing Panarin, I thought, okay, it's going to be different. I, although I thought the Saad trade was a good one, um, it's it's coming together here at the start better than I thought it would, and, and Schmaltz has be, been a big catalyst to that. I didn't see him making the strides he's made uh, over over off season. You know, after uh, kind of falling flat in the playoffs, uh, I definitely didn't see Debrinket doing what he was going to be doing here to start. Uh, so yeah, I think in the summer I was I was very skeptical and more thinking, oh, this this team's probably on the bubble. But you know, if they're half the team through the rest of the season that they are now, uh, you know, I I still say that they get in the playoffs. So I'm I'm slightly amending what I thought in the summertime when I was a lot more doom and gloom. Tracy, I want to ask you about Joel Quenville. I always find relationships that media people have with coaches to be fascinating because they're not kids, you know, they're not the players. Um, yeah. They're grown-ups, they're adults, you know, they have... Most of us. Mo- yeah. I know, trust me, I, I'm reminded of that every day. <laughs> you know, they're allegedly grown up, just like we allegedly are as well. And so the nature of conversation can be different and the way that one can relate to another is a lot more sympathetic on the coach reporter level than the, you know, reporter... Um, you know, media figure, player level. Um, what do you think? And it's a wide brush, wide brush answer. However, you you see fit. 
What do you think of Joel Quenville? I, I you know what I, I I like the relationship that we have with him. He he's not a guy who will always give you a ton of information, and then uh, he he reminds me of Dave Tippett in a way. And of course, they're good friends. Uh, you know, just in terms of of how their style is, and they're very much a fan of the very blue collar workman like player. Um, they they want somebody who's going to go out and apply themselves in every fashion. Um, as far as talk, I, I joke all the time about Q-speak. <laughs> this actually is a language unto itself. I'm fluent in it now. It only took me about three or four years. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, if, if, if a player is uh, just okay, that ain't good. Uh, if uh, somebody's ordinary, they're probably scratched for the next game. <laughs> um, you know, excellent, that applies, you know. But uh, there are certain Q-isms that we have all figured out. Uh, and I think he's—I think he realizes how much fun we have with this because there seems to be a little glint in his eye sometimes when he uses these terms, uh, because we know exactly what they mean. So, um, <laughs> but but no, I I, I think it's a, a good relationship. It, it's funny. I think he's a lot more. Um, I think he's a little more laid back this year. You know, he's having a little more fun with us in the uh, in the scrums and everything. Still very businesslike, but I, I'm starting to see a light version of the stash and. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a good thing working with him and, and just seeing what he's been able to do with these teams over the years, whether he's had a lot of depth or not. Um, you know, as much as we joke about the line blender and everything, he's, he's found ways at times to, uh, you know, put, put guys together and you think, wow, that's never going to work. And then it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and getting the most out of, out of guys. I was actually talking to Mark Lazarus about this earlier. Um, you look at a guy like Marcus Kruger a couple of years ago who was just, you know, a very defensive-minded player, and Q gets him and says, listen, we need you to become a penalty killer. And he does, and he was great at it. Um, so he's, he's good at realizing what he can get out of guys, and, uh, you know, the, the players, you know, are appreciative of that, and most of them understand, okay, if I want to really get in this guy's good graces, I need to learn as much as possible. A lighter version of the stash is also the nickname of Corey Perry's playoff beard. Now, I have uh, the, the other, the la- my last question for you, Tracy, is, um, listen, I'm not going to rehash the Marion Hosa thing. As per usual, I was correct in my analysis. But I do want to ask you about this theory that was put out there by somebody uh, on Twitter recently to me. Do you think that there is a chance that they're doing the Patrick Kane end around and he'll be back for the playoffs? No, no, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm of the mindset just kind of, uh, you know, I, I, and I remember, I think you were talking to Dave Lozo about this not long ago in terms of, of, you know, how everything was presented and it, everything seemed very final to me. Uh, yeah, there was, there was no, men- yeah, in, in the three statements that they put out this summer, the doctor, the GM, and Hosa himself, there was no mention of a comeback. There was no mention of his playing future. It, it, it seemed very final. Yeah, I, I will be absolutely floored if, if there's any kind of comeback. I just, I just have that feeling of finality uh, with it, which is it's, it's interesting. Uh, the, the Wilder in town, uh, and uh, so this morning I was talking to Tom Reed about that because we all know he, he went through it, and uh, he says, you know, once, once I got away from the game and everything, it just went away. You know, it was just I needed time and I needed not to wear the equipment anymore and everything. It's too bad. Um, I, I miss Marion Hosa watching his game overall. I miss him clocking teammates in battle drills. 
Uh, that's my own personal practice fund, but you know, just just my opinion on the whole thing. I will be stunned if I ever see him suit up again. I think he ever got this is the last one for me, and I'm glad we're ending on Marion Hosa, one of my favorite topics. Um, <laughs> do you think he ever got? Because you know, it seemed as if no matter where he was, he was sort of obscured by those greater than him around him. Do you think he ever got his legit due in the NHL? I think he, you know, I mean, I, I can't speak for his years in Ottawa when, it, you know, the offense was just overwhelming. Um, I think he did here, despite the fact that, uh, yeah, you know, you've got Kane, you've got Taves, you've got Sharp. But I think there was a, a great appreciation for what he did on both ends of the ice. Uh, you know, and I think I've told you guys this a, a few times. I always liked watching him try and steal the puck away. My great theory is that he used to give the puck away every now and then just so he could take it back. Because he could. It's just, you know, I'm Marion Hosa, and excuse me, I'm just going to take this back. But I, I think there was. You know, when this all went down, a lot of people were saying, oh, he's, he's got to be in the Hall of Fame. And I, I think he is. I, that's my personal opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't doubt that in Chicago, despite the fact that he was one of, of several superstars here, that people really uh, appreciated what he was able to do because he, he had a hell of a career. On both ends of the puck. And you know what's funny, too, because I'm always curious about the player's player, because they're players that we can all admire as fans, and you talk to the players, and you say, like, you know, who do you admire out there? And they quickly get to Marion Hossa, or got to Marion yeah. Hossa. Like, he is, like, oh, man, just all the things that he was able to do, and how he won every board battle, and stripping pucks, and he was, I don't know, I'm gushing about Marion Hossa too much, but, you know, he was, for that last generation, he was the player's player. Yeah, he, he just, I think it was it was the thing that here was a guy who could have been perfectly happy uh, and content with the game that he had for the first couple of years, which was mainly all offense all the time. But, uh, you know, decided, no, let's let's kind of expand the repertoire, did it beautifully. Still gives Pavel Datsuk a ton of credit for, uh, you know, helping him improve his defensive game. And um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a big thing is that, you know, this guy could have been perfectly happy just being a light south scorer, but he wanted a little bit more, and I think he can appreciate that. All right, Tracy, tell us how much this podcast meant to you. I mean, this is the time, <laughs> this is the time you're supposed to do that. You know what? I, I think when I first started doing it, it was, you know, we would, we would mix in a couple of things. Like you said, we'd, we'd talk a little hockey, and then you all found out my, uh, you know, my 12-year-old uh, love of wrestling, which... Um, then came you the know, questions I, I, about Sting and the Hulkster. Sting, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> my, my my thing for guys in face paint, which is is still uh, is still trailing me and not in a good way. But um, <laughs> you know, I I I just loved the variety. I, I loved uh, just coming on and talking with you guys because that's what it was. Some sometimes these things feel like uh, an interview, and uh, you know, it's very down the down the middle, and it's all hockey all the time and everything. But this was fun. And uh, so I always enjoyed the fun part of it. And, um, yeah, so I, I always appreciated you guys having me on. And uh, if you do do a reboot, please think of me for episode one. Don't worry. That's coming. And, uh, <laughs> wait, just on a personal level, what was the name of that restaurant? I always uh, keep trying to refer people to this place that I uh, always blank on because I can't remember. The place where you took me and my brother-in-law when we were in Chicago a couple of, couple of years ago. Oh, Italian the place. place or the second place? Second place. First place when we all got together for the meetup and Bickford was there and a whole bunch of other yeah. people. The second place. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. And now I'm blanking on it. It was it was actually kind of like an a Irish bar. Um, Irish was Italian. Oh my. I had Italian yeah. food as my entree, but okay. Yeah. Irish place. What was it? 
What was it? I, I'm trying to remember. Oh, my God, I'm blanking. I'm over there all the time. How do I forget this? <laughs> this is terrible. Um, you got you hockey brain, girl. You got hockey brain. I, I, I'm going to have to tweet it to you later because I'm, I'm just blanking. I've got a name in my head, but that's the wrong name. All right. I'll, stand, so by on, I'll I will, stand by on Twitter. I just, I, I, just love, I just love the fact that it's like, you know, you take them to patio wagons and the city yeah. orders well, the I mean, mushroom ravioli. You take me to a place where it's just, you know... <laughs> Carnivore special on the left and the right side of the menu. What, of course, am I going to get? Going to get a pasta dish and a salad? <laughs> I can't believe I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, it's, it's up by Carmine's. Maybe that's the thing because you were up by Carmine's. You thought that uh, you were an Italian place, but really, you were just across the street. Awesome. You're the best, Trace. Listen, thanks a lot for always playing along with our goofiness here on this silly podcast. You're the best, Trace. Guys, I've had a ball, so thank you very much for having me. You're great, Tracy. Tracy Myers. Trivia question uh, that we answered thanks to Joe Pack, who we should give a shout-out to as being one of the best people that we've ever uh, interacted with. And, and a dude who embodies the whole be inspired to make your own thing thing that we've preached. Amen. Uh, he tweeted out, and I'll, I'll retweet it uh, at some point, uh, uh, like a directory of all of our podcasts. I, I guess it's there is podcast one? directory. Yeah, well, it, according to him, it's podcastdirectory.com, and you can find all of the episodes there, I think. Who does and, that? Uh, it's automated, I think. I'm hoping. Can't imagine it's like wow. someone who actually added it all, if it, if it is. Thanks. But uh, the first guest we ever had, according to this, was uh we thought maybe who do we think it was tracy i thought it was trace when we texted last night i thought it was trace the, the first person to ever be on the podcast was bobby holik makes sense. now i do the impression but i'm a little bit under the weather makes sense but he uh yeah he was the first guy to ever be on the podcast bobby holik yeah because i think i was doing stuff with bobby at that point at sportsnet no i was doing stuff with bobby at cbc for hockey were, it, he That's did it from why. his his ranch in wyoming That's right, we talked, talked about bobby ryan lives across yeah. the uh, yeah 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 there was a brief, a brief moment when Bobby Holik dabbled in, dabbled in punditry, and that's when we got him on the show. I still think you'd be a great analyst. I think one of the great failings of, of my industry, of this industry, is we don't hear European voices on the broadcasts. Yeah. I, I still I think agree. this is where we fall down. You know, there's not enough women, and there aren't enough specifically European voices on broadcast, considering how much Europe makes up the NHL right now. It's not reflected well, I mean, at all. I think that's... That speaks to the power structure of the league. That speaks to, I mean, they've rectified it at least a little bit in the Hall of Fame voting, luckily. But, uh, you know, the Professional Hockey Writers Association, I mean, there's a lot of places where there could be more European influence. I think for the broadcasting, I think it comes down to, like, do you really want to do it? Like, I think Bobby did. I really think Bobby did. I know for a fact Bobby did, that he wanted to do it. I think a lot of people can't get, can't get past a thick accent. Although, man, psh, there's plenty we let on TV that mangle the English language on a regular basis. Front and center, me. Right? I'm not excusing myself from that discussion. <laughs> Some people wear really loud jackets, for example. Um, the, uh, the, the, I wanted to mention uh, the, the meetups. I want to thank everybody who's ever come out to one of the MVSW meetups. We've had them all over the place. I mean... You know, live shows in Toronto, the one here at, at Foley's in New York. We've, we've, I've done them on the road forever when I've uh, had a chance to go cover cup finals and stuff. Now, be, hang on, and, be honest. It's just because you want someone to buy you drinks. You'd be surprised, sir, how <laughs> few drinks I've, I've been given. Uh, uh, I, get, I got some weed in L.A., but I, I, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I tend to buy my first beer, and then you try to, you know, bait the hook, as it were. Oh, look, the glass is nearly empty. Uh, uh, and then, and then, no one buys me a drink, and then I go get Leahy another drink. Is usually the way it worked. Um, 
So thank you to all the people that would come out to those. I want to give a special shout out to uh, Matt Riegler, uh, who is a, what a as guy. dedicated a fan as, as you could ever find of this podcast and the guy who's been on multiple times and and really was sort of like uh, the, 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 the Boba Fett, if you will, of this podcast in the sense that his time on screen was brief, but the impression oh, he made was immeasurable. Yeah, he was spectacular. Uh, and, and, oh, by the way, really quick. Tally's awesome. Tally, quote, who was the first ever podcast guest with a trivia question when I did the MVSW game show Friday? Y'all both got it wrong. Hmm. There you go, Tally Shane. Her. Uh, and that probably leads me to my next thing, of course, would be game show Friday. I, I, I know that there was some anticipation that we would do it on this podcast. We have a very limited time here. Jeff's a very busy man. And I got to go to TV. I'm, it wouldn't I'm, be a podcast you know, if I didn't have to go to TV right away. I'm, I know. And, and in true to form, I was going to try to take a shower minutes before the podcast and be late, but I decided not to. Be late um, by having a night spilling, spilling a cup of coffee. Yeah. Oh, that's that's definitely happened more than a few times. Um, but yeah, game game show Friday was was a blast, uh, and uh, I was super. It was it was one of my, one of our favorite things to do. Even though Jeff begrudgingly said he didn't like, it, I didn't you like know it. it was my protest because we didn't do headlines anymore because headlines afforded me the opportunity to play Frank Zappa's Peaches on Regalia. This is true, um, but it, but thanks to everybody who ever participated. Um, I'm sure you'll get your prizes at some point. Uh, I, my <laughs> one of my favorite things that we ever did together. Matty Brown still got to send out those books. Yeah, in the in the in the the vortex of the John Scott situation, which again is going to be the legacy of this podcast. I think somehow leading the charge to get him elected to the the, the All Star game. Uh, when when you and I had a unified front in in the Great Ronick War, I think was one of my favorite points of this podcast, and because it, it, he he represented everything we despise about like the hockey culture of you never played the game so you're disqualified from having an opinion and then the, the uppity you know talking from down to the from the mountaintop kind of that all the, you know what you that's a great point that all everyone who everyone who was down with that vibe really exposed themselves during john scott there was a whole lot of you're not a real fan there's a whole lot of you don't respect the game there's a whole, a whole lot of you don't understand um there was there was a whole lot of temper my words here there's a there's a lot of let me put it this way there are a lot of people that expose themselves over over john scott and that yeah. phenomenon put together by legitimate hockey fans who love the game much more than many who derive a paycheck from it yeah and 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 the fact that you and i waylaid that guy and we both had a little bit of history with him too i think was one of my favorite things in this podcast and even though this is our last episode uh, I will uh, state for the record that our our podcast lasted longer this season than his. Uh, so uh, you know, uh, shovel dirt, what have you. Uh, you used to work in a graveyard. I'll now uh, bury something <laughs> on the podcast to bring it full circle. I may have to go back see how my career ends up. Or you could just send for me in Bristol. How about that? You just you get go. there and send for me, Greg. I I, I plan to. Okay, um, very good. As Merrick said, uh, the the fact that we've inspired others to do your own things is an immeasurable honor. Uh, it's the, the thing that we've preached and, and we've practiced and, and we've tried to signal boost people that are creating their own things. And I'm so honored that so many people have. Uh, I, I, I want to mention, I give a shout out to all the people that have referenced this podcast as being something that's gotten them through tough times back when we used to do it daily. I, I can completely relate to that. There have been very, very tough times in my life where I've, I've turned to uh, podcasts 
um, to just kind of like marinate in, in, in a place and be with people that I like and, and take my mind off of things. So I really appreciate and, and understand that sentiment. And, uh, and, and again, it's an honor that we were able to serve that purpose. Uh, I, and, and finally, like, I want to thank Merrick, like there is this vibe amongst some, uh, uh, listeners and, and, and frequently detractors of mine, uh, that, uh, that Merrick has, uh, uh I've, I've ridden his coattails to success. What? And, uh, while that's, while that's not necessarily <laughs> true, I will say that. That's like sleeping your way to the middle, that old Jeffrey Ross line. I will, say, I will say that uh, for, that uh, you know my relationship with you has certainly added a sense of legitimacy in the eyes of some people. I think that you being half of this podcast created a a welcome mat for people that might not otherwise want to spend fifteen minutes on the air with me. Uh, and I also think that my relationship with you opened doors to doing a lot of fun stuff with Sportsnet on TV and stuff and. And, uh, and I've always been appreciative of that. And, and, and I've learned, you know, not to get fucking weepy, but we're here and I just dropped an F-bomb, but who cares our last show? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, cancel it. <laughs> you cancel it. Um, but like the, the, the notion that I've learned so much from you, man, like, you know, not only about, uh, the game as I think we all have, because you're like the smartest guy on the block when it comes to hockey and hockey history and that dumb association you're part of. Yeah. Um, but you, uh, but you, you, you've taught me to, to, you know, to love the game in ways that I didn't love it before. And like and the pond, like the stories of the pond, the frozen. Oh, pond. the boys in the pond <laughs> to appreciate the history of it, to understand the history of it, to, to, to know the context of things and to really, you know, I'm a cynic. I'm from Jersey. Anybody knows that. One of the reasons the podcast worked is that he's sunshine and I'm a giant hulking rain cloud slamming down thunder on things. And uh, and, and and to have you be the, the force of light in my life in the last several years has been really nice. Uh, even in my, my darkest hours of cynicism about this dumb game, uh, you're always <laughs> someone who has, uh, has, has taught me to appreciate things and, and, and see the, the silver lining in things and, and really make me a better journalist and make me a better fan and make me uh, a, a broadcaster that uh, is, is worth a damn. And I'll, I'll always be entirely uh, grateful for that. You're the best. Don't stop. Keep going. I'm loving this. This is great. So uh, I'm having a little trouble with this zipper here, but give me a moment. Um, <laughs> well, you know, so what, you, hang on a second. To, to, to that, um, I mean, I've learned, listen, I, I've always been one of those people that, you know, you know something that I don't know. I need to learn that. So as much as you maintain that you may have learned from this goofy podcast with me, I've done the same with you. And the one thing that you've done for me, um, and this is, this is one of the things that I'm really going to regret until whatever happens next with, with me and podcasts. One of the things that I'm really going to regret that I always loved about this podcast, considering half my family, more than half my family, lives in the United States, is this my chance? This is my chance to talk to Americans. Yeah, this is yeah. my chance to meet Americans. This is my chance to interact with Americans, right? Like I live in this Canadian hockey bubble. I very seldom get a chance to talk to American hockey fans and meet American people, and like you know, show up in Buffalo, you know, for um, uh, for camps and. People are there that know me from the podcast or ditto for Boston or Philadelphia or Sunrise or, or wherever the, the draft is, you know, Dallas this year. I'm going to have a bunch of American friends because of you and this podcast. So as much as you may think I've provided this sort of like hockey landing pad for you, you've done the same for me for hockey in America. And I think a lot of Canadians, especially Canadian media, take that for granted. 
Um, they don't consider that. But some of my most cherished conversations have been with American hockey fans. Some of the things that I've learned the most about about the sport, I'll tell you, are not from Canadians, folks, because there's the weight of history that's on their shoulders and they carry every single day. Some of the most progressive, forward-thinking people about this game are American, not media types, although wonderful and, and, and smart in their own right, but are just everyday hockey fans that don't carry the burden of 100 years of hockey around with them since they were born. And you provided that on-ramp for me. Oh, so selfishly, this has done more for me, I would maintain, than it's done for you. Indeed. And like we said, I don't, I don't consider this the end. I consider it the end of this thing, but I don't consider it the end of me and Jeffy. We'll definitely be talking to you to get, together again in some capacity. Uh, there's no way that that's not going to happen. So, uh, you know, hopefully we do that. Uh, you know, uh, thanks for supporting me going to ESPN. Thanks for, for the people that do support Puck Soup. Uh, that's obviously a, a podcast place you can find me now. And uh, I will I will say that I know Marikat wants to end the show with this lovely uh, thing that he has. So I will allow him to do that. I will simply say this. The only contribution I could possibly make to the show at this point <clears throat> Oh, your podcast is ending? Well, I died. <laughs> I can't beat that. Oh, you dropped the Masterton card on me at the end. I can't go. Oh, yeah. That's it. Jimi Hendrix, folks. And next. Oh, thanks, pal. Um, and, and Puppet Show. To all those. I told them before. It's Final Tap. And <laughs> to all those people that started podcasts um, because of this podcast, um, I always think about I still am a big fan of Alan Watts and he used to always talk about the most dangerous risk of all being the risk of spending your life not doing what you want on the bet that you can buy yourself the freedom to do it later. Good for you for starting that and doing it and keep doing it. Um, you know, the, the world is full now of hockey podcasts and the game itself uh, is better because all of you people have done that. The one thing that, that, that really struck me as all the, the tweets came in after we announced it was going to be the final show was um, this idea of that we're we're talking to a lot of a lot of hockey outsiders. We talked about this earlier in the podcast. People that didn't feel like they were part of a community. They were just individuals, sort of strangers, renting the space here, and they didn't really belong. Um, until you realize that there's a place you can go where there's a lot of like-minded people that all kind of feel the same way. And we got that at meetups and tweetups, and every time we'd go anywhere, we met a bunch of like-minded people. And I always thought of this great. Um, speech I, I was trying to find the audio but i couldn't so i just read it to you it's by surprise surprise merrick's a timothy leary fan um i want to end this podcast uh, on, on this if you can indulge me for a couple of minutes and thanks to greg greg i love you you've been a wonderful uh person to share six years worth of airspace with um you're you've challenged me every day you've made me better um and you'll continue to do so as as greg mentioned this isn't the end of me and greg doing stuff together um, but this from Timothy Leary really came to mind when all these tweets came in about, you know, finding a place when you really didn't think you had a place in hockey. Um, this is Timothy Leary. Uh, admit it. You aren't like them. You're not even close. You may occasionally dress yourself up as one of them, watch the same mindless television shows as they do, maybe even eat the same fast food sometimes. But it seems the more you try to fit in, the more you feel like an outsider watching the, quote, normal people as they go about their automatic existences. For every time you say club passwords like have a nice day and weather's awful today, eh? You yearn inside to say forbidden things like tell me something that makes you cry or what do you think deja vu is for? Face it, you even want to talk to that girl in the elevator. But what if that girl in the elevator and the balding man who walks past your cubicle at work are thinking the exact same thing? 
Who knows what you might learn from taking a chance on conversations with a stranger? Everyone carries a piece of the puzzle. I want to say that again. Everyone carries a piece of the puzzle. Nobody comes into your life by mere coincidence. Trust your instincts. Do the unexpected. Find the others. Thank you for six years of the most fun I've ever had on the air. Thank you, man. Love you too, buddy. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. It ain't going to be the end of, of me and Jeffy. Uh, but it's the end of this podcast, so please leave. I mean, we're done. Clean up on your way out, too. You left it a mess. Like, really, look yeah. at that. Like, get a mop and bucket so. out here. Let's, oh, wait. Let's you wanted to, you should really actually thank the producers. You wanted to do that, too, right? I already did. Want to oh. thank Owen Sound Sammy, best fries in the O, Harry Lumley Bayshore. He sent me a picture of that, of his fries. <laughs> Texted me a picture of the fries at the Owen Sound game on the weekend. Uh, to the great Josh Goldsmith, thank you. To the great Matt Brown, thank you. To the great Elena Pagliarello, thank you. Uh, to Brent Gunning, who also did work on this podcast as we transitioned between producers at various times, thank you very much. And thanks to everyone who listened, uh, whether it's on the live stream or downloaded and interacted on Twitter or elsewhere. Thank you. Thank you a million times. Thank you. Indeed. All right, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you.